Welcome to Behind the Build, a podcast by the Webster Auto Collective. I'm your host, Sam Webster, and I'm excited to take you on a journey behind the scenes of the automotive world. Each episode will dive deep into the minds of automotive enthusiasts and professionals, exploring their passion, creativity, and automotive culture. We believe that behind every great build is an even better story worth sharing, and we're here to uncover those stories. From classic cars to modern machines, from racers to collectors, we'll bring you the stories that make the automotive world so exciting and diverse. Whether you're a seasoned gearhead or just love cars, we invite you to take a dive into the minds of a modern day car enthusiast. What's up guys, welcome back to the podcast. Today's guest is Alex Elko. Alex is another pre-runner guy uh, from the Midwest. Uh, he has a Ford Ranger that is pretty gnarly and he's a really super talented fabricator. So I'm excited to talk to him today because I'm bringing my truck back to start working on it again to finish it up. And I've got a bunch of questions from him and or for him and you know, I think I can make a lot of improvements in my truck just by talking to him. And I've got another project I'm working on with Send Cut Send for some custom-made spindles. And I want to pick his brain on that today too. So for all of you pre-runner guys or fabricators, this is going to be a really interesting one. So thanks for being on the podcast, Alex. I'm really excited to talk to you. Likewise. Yeah. So just for people that don't know who you are um, and what you do, you just give a little background on what, what that stuff is. Yeah, not a problem. My name is Alex Elko. I am from Grand Rapids, Michigan, and uh, been doing fabrication um, in the off-road space for the better part of a decade now. Um, I was the lead fabricator over at Griffin Fabworks, if anybody's familiar with uh, Griffin Fabworks from back in the day. We had uh, the Trophy 250 at Seaman 16, and then we had the um, Crew Cab Square Body, the Poverty Runner um, at... Uh, the off-road expo in 19. Um, and then me and Neil both had a uh, life happen. He had a few kids. I, uh, got married and bought a house. And so now we just both kind of do it for fun. Um, I'm kind of transitioning into starting my own shop, uh, Elko Metalworks, but, um, do a lot of, uh, mix of hot rods, residential handrails and off-road stuff. So, uh, it's, it's been a lot of fun. That's super cool. How, so is it always been off-road focused to fabrication work? Uh, it always was, yeah. Um, I just started doing some residential stuff for some friends that's kind of snowballed into uh, working for some contractors, which is fun um, and pays a lot pays a lot better than off road fabrication. But the off road stuff and the high rod stuff um, definitely is a lot more fun. So I will for sure always have like one or two um, higher end builds going on in the background, and we'll just pay the bills with some of the railing stuff. Nice. That's a good way to go. Yeah. To, yeah. I think the fabrication world can be tricky, especially with the off-road guys, because they're super expensive projects and they last forever. You yeah. Know, they get drug out for years and years and years. And, you know, you've got yours sitting behind you. Tell me about it. Uh, it is a Ranger and it's uh, very near and dear to my heart because this truck I've been working on since 2016 when I started at Griffin Fabworks. It's a uh, Oh, it was a really good friend of mine, Austin Barron's truck. And um, I got to build basically the whole front end on it. We got to tweak the rear end, add big bypasses to it when he still had it. And um, me and him took trips all over the place. We went down to Oklahoma with it. Um, I, we did Dirt Fest together with it. Um, and he started mentioning that uh, he was thinking about selling it. And I said, well, I, I get dibs on it then. And uh, thankfully, my wife let me basically drain all of our savings and uh bought it from him and then that would have been last 
April. And uh, since then, I've only destroyed it a bunch, uh, rolled it, started on fire. Um, and I'm just in the process of uh, getting it back together. But um, it's a it's a super well-rounded truck. Um, it's got, um, it's, you know, LS powered. It's a six liter with uh, um, monster heads. Uh, big fast 102 intake uh, spec cam um it's got power steering solutions trophy truck pump uh ram assist it's uh twin i-beams from a full-size truck that we built at griffin fabworks so it's 88 inches wide on 40s uh, spider tracks unit bearings um 300m 40 splines in the rear uh, evan weller 10 inch uh third member uh it's got 2540 up front with uh, eight tubes and then two, five, four, five out back. So, I mean, it's, it's got a pretty good list of uh, all, the, all the big dog stuff for like a 1450 truck. Um, I'm kind of tapering it into uh, more of a luxury style pre-runner. I have um, a vintage air AC going in it next year. I'm gonna build my own housing for it. Um, it's got full carpet interior now with a center console and it's got some creature comforts. Me and my wife just like to take the thing out for date night. So it's, it's kind of a dual purpose rig for us. We just like to thrash on it and just drive around town. Dude, I didn't realize it was so serious. You've, you've got oh, it's all, all the big dog stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's gnarly. Is it, is it a full two chassis or does it still have it frame rail? Yeah. It's still got frame rail. Awesome. So back half, I'm assuming. Back half. And then it's got the front portion of frame rail right to the steering box mounts it actually has a power steering solutions box that's uh the same thing like darren has it it mounts into the factory forward location um and then everything else is obviously custom custom pitman arm custom dual swing um but yeah it's it's uh all that's left is probably five feet of frame rail and some of the sheet metal from the cab that's ranger damn <laughs> not much of yeah. a ranger left anymore not much no where so what was it like when you bought it is most of that stuff done yeah or is it kind of just um the only thing i've added was i went from uh had 39 inch krts and now i've got the kr3 40s um and aside from that that's pretty much it um i've i i blew the trans up when it when i first got it and so i've done some internal work to the trans and i'm actually waiting on a billet um torque converter right now but uh realistically most of it is exactly the parts that came on it um i unfortunately rolled it at midwest dirt fest in july last year and thankfully uh james from terra crew reached out and put me in contact with jason mcneil from fiberworks and so he got us hooked up with a gen 2 raptor conversion for it and i'm just finalizing that kind of right now um and i cut the I'm a glutton for punishment. I wanted to French uh, like a factory Ford Raptor grill into the thing because I've never seen anybody do it. Um, McNeil has like a smaller window of a grill that's like proportioned down for the Ranger. And then Fiberworks, they have roughly the right size, but it's got Fiberworks through the middle and it's, it's just a molded fiberglass like grill shell. Um, so I cut my one piece into like six pieces. So it's got like headlight bezels and formed fiberglass around a factory Raptor um, um, grill. And then now I have the hood tilting forward by itself. And then it, it just lands out forward because um, I hate taking the one piece on and off when I want to mess with anything. Are you able to 
to flip it forward with one person or do you need a person on either side to do it? Uh, I can do it with myself. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was, I know the first shot that I was working in, there was a Ford F100 and it had one piece front end and it was just such a pain in the ass to get that thing on and off and on and off and line it up. And, and when I saw your posts of how you were making the hinges and everything, it's like, man, that's pretty cool. I bet he's building it so that he can just do it by himself. So is it everything's like still stitched together as one piece now? So you cut it into six and then hooked it all back together. So no, so it's it's got the original mini fenders, kind of like oh, I'll be over this shoulder. It's got the fact yeah. the the mini fenders from Fiberworks, but then um, it's cut basically a third up by where the headlight is. And so I wanted the grill to stay with the truck, and I wanted the headlights and the bezel to all stay with the truck, and then the hood to tilt around it. So the main the main piece of the one piece all tilts but if i were to take the thing off um i can still have my headlights my grill everything is on the truck and i actually kind of built it as like a sub assembly like you see on most tts like my chassis wedges down right under my grill to the bumper and that's where my radiator is nested but then my structure for my grill shell and my headlights is all tabbed off of that so i can take that off with four bolts and just set that to the side and actually get to the engine and the radiator like pretty easy. The hinge, oh, nice. me hinge mechanisms, four bolts, the sub assemblies, four bolts. So I could have the whole front of the truck off really fast. Damn. So how much time do you think you have into making all that function the way that it is now? Well, it went from the original glass that was on the truck, which was the expedition conversion that was super popular in the 2000s on Rangers. And this particular glass is like 10 inches wider and eight inches further forward. So I had to cut the front of the frame off and that kind of snowballed into redesigning basically everything. But like since about January till now, I'm like 400 hours into just the rebuild of this truck. That's with like yeah. a roof skin and stuff, but I've, I've been picking through some stuff with a fine tooth comb for sure. Yeah, I can imagine. So did you have to replace the entire cab? Just the roof. Roller, or just uh, the roof, roof, and, roof and passenger door. Okay. Yeah, it was a really, it was really slow. I just, I like this thing's turning radius is pretty terrible because I have upright uniballs for the beams. So the uniball is limited to 37 degrees max uh, articulation, but beam offset is like six degrees. So I get like 15 and a half degrees of turning each way, you know? So um, yeah, this, it, I was having to rear steer into like the tight corners and at Dirt Fest, we get a ton of practice. And there were like 40 some trucks last year. So you get, you get two laps total. And I was like truck 37. And so the track had a giant like silty berm in the tightest corner of the track and um, landed one of the jumps, came in and like initiated brake really hard to try and like rear steer in and just smashed into the silt and ended up just uh, like dr almost drove out of it and it caught onto the door and then just went onto the roof. So it was, <laughs> no. it was slow and dumb, but, uh, it, it is what it is. I, it could have been so much worse. Uh, my, my fuel fill is, uh, just a normal, like quarter turn non-locking vented cap. And I went upside down and the thing is just pouring fuel out upside down. And so oh. I had a buddy with me and I jumped out and grabbed the extinguisher and just yelled at him to get out because I didn't know what was going to happen. But luckily, my exhaust isn't anywhere near it. It was just cooling up kind of by the cab. So um, definitely yeah. 
eye-open experience because uh, you just hate to have the worst of the worst happen. Right. Is your fuel cell just right behind the cab or do you have it behind the axle? Uh, it's, it's off the axle. Off the axle, yeah. Yeah. So it's a little bit farther away from you, which is good. Yeah. Yeah. How, how big of a fuel cell do you run? It's just a 32-gallon jazz fuel cell right now. Um, nice. If I ever were to... I've thrown around ideas of rebuilding, like, from my bump stops back, because I don't have any spare tires right now, and I want to okay. do a, a dual-stack spare and build a radius cell for it. But um, and so it's nice being in the Midwest. We get winter projects, so, like, whenever it's snowing, I can just cut this thing apart and then have to spend all April putting it all back together. Nice. So are you, is that the, the Jeep speed cell? The one with the mouse? No, it's not. It's is just, it's just the normal square old school cell. Square one. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I've got the, the 32 gallon jazz Jeep speed. I'm really putting in same deal. I'll put it behind the axle. I'm trying to figure out spare tires and you know, where to locate all that. And that, yeah. most likely I'm going to do a single spare that just lays flat on top. Yep. And just to get as much weight behind the rear axle as I can. Smart. And yeah, it's. That's like the, the next big project is the, the back half. Like I have the cage is pretty much done. I've got the first like section of the back half, like back to where the bump stops are going to be. Yep. And I need to build behind that. And so mm -hmm. that's kind of, I need to figure out where I'm going to hang my fenders and then locate the fuel cell and all that jazz. And I'm getting really excited about it because it's really going to start looking like a truck all of a sudden. Once I yeah. get like, body panels on it, and, you know, the back half's done and it, I don't know, it's exciting. The projects just take for freaking ever and <laughs> they just snowball and they get more and more expensive. Um, what, what rear axle are you running in yours? So it is a Ford nine inch, but it's a, uh, yep. I'm not, no, I'm not sure if you're familiar with uh Shriner enterprises. So yeah. they, yeah, it's, it's not, it's a great budget option, but once you get pretty gnarly, um, the, the issue that I ran into last year with this, particular axle and i'm not knocking this at all because this truck has had the same axle under it for seven years it's been foiling for seven years with this same axle so there's a ton of force right on the center section of the axle and that's all still factory like stamped sheet metal from ford okay. and so what happened is the entire face around the flange for my third member ripped out i almost ripped the entire third member out of the axle so basically from the upper bolts all the way around to the tubes peeled away and so right now it's just fixed i i went in there and beveled it all and tig welded it back together but that's the reason why i'm gonna build a like a nice chromoly axle for the thing nice is that is it a three inch housing yeah yeah nice yeah i bought a, a used spider tracks three inch housing mm -hmm. and i'm gonna run that and i'll just uh brace it and see how it goes they're great housings, actually. We, I've I've put uh, two in separate different vehicles. They're they're pretty nice, yeah. Yeah. the The issue I'm running into is that it's the stock width of a Tacoma, like the mm. same width, and so I don't want to run spacers, and yeah. I don't want to have two different wheel offsets, and so I'm like debating: do I get rid of this thing and then just buy a Spidertrax housing and throw on some big unit bearings and just do that and go kind of hardcore. I don't know that I'm going to go full floater right off the bat uh, just because it's so expensive. I would love to, yeah. but uh, it's just an expensive move. What are your thoughts on that? Would, did you recommend throwing a wider axle in there? Or do you see any benefit to running an axle that's stock width? 
So how wide are you up front? It's like, you know, it's been so long since I've looked at it. It's, it's like 90 ish wide yeah. in front. Oh, it's yeah, pretty dude. wide. I would, I would at this stage that you're at, I know it, it hurts, but I would, I would start with what you want it to be. And I would go, I would go wide. Um, just because that's kind of a limiting factor. And like you said, the, the, getting it to look proportional with your wheels and if you were running spacers and then you know if you're if you're mounting your fiberglass around a stock width axle you're going to get a really goofy body look um yeah. and or you do the opposite and you mount it out to where you want it to be and then you have five inches in between the outside of the tire and the inside of the glass so yeah it, the more that you can make everything proportional, the happier you're going to be at the end result with how far along you already are, you know? Yeah. Are you running like front and rear? Have you got the same width? So I'm 88 in the Close. front and I'm 86 out back. Yeah. It's just a hair shorter. Yeah. It's painful. I don't want to go <laughs> spend another couple grand on an axle and do all that. But at the same time, I don't want it to look weird. Like put all yeah. this time into it. You start driving around and just, doesn't really look the way you want it to look well and i mean at the end of the day you you can progress into that but then it's like cutting off bedside mounts and making new one you know and there's the the more you can do in the front end and not have to adjust afterwards is way beneficial yeah that's probably what i'll do it, yeah i'm hoping that i can find another used one like there's so many rock crawlers around here yeah. close to moab like three hours from moab and so there's a lot of guys that are parting out rock crawlers and so the spider tracks axles are pretty common um but the guy didn't know know the uh width of the axle when i bought it and i didn't do mm -hmm. the tape measure which was so dumb i'm like oh i'll just go buy it it'll be fine get it and it's like oh it's exactly the same as the toyota yeah. but it was way more heavy duty like the toyota axle was already slightly bent from because I bought the truck wrecked, yeah, and so it was already messed up. So it was an, an upgrade, but um, well, it, it's just so bizarre that you like honestly the housings are some of the cheaper parts of the axle. Like, yeah. um, if you if you spec out just like a three and a half camber that has four link tabs on it and an upper brace, like you're like a thousand bucks, which really isn't that bad. And there's actually yeah. um, here in Michigan, uh, Ryan Langer Langer Racing. He builds a he builds an incredibly nice axle that is like pretty budget friendly. It's it's kind of like a um, updated version of like the what you can get for files on like DIY mm -hmm. um, for like their stage four desert racing axle or whatever. But um, his welder Martin is incredible, and they have an awesome fixture for keeping everything straight. Um, and like you can get into an axle housing for, you know, like 1500 bucks. And then all of a sudden you start stacking parts inside of it and all you got a $10,000 axle, you know, but <laughs> one thing I would say is I would avoid going semi float if at all possible. Like I would, I would look for a used cool. complete axle if you can find one, because, um, I've seen so many broken axles and they just, you know, you break an axle or you spit a clip and the wipe out your fiberglass and you can't get back to the trailer. It's, I mean, you can do, you can drive a lot on a broken one single broken axle with full float. Yeah. You can take all the parts out of it. At least, at least you can still roll, you know? Yeah, um, that's true. It's a, 
I don't know. I, I push trying to find used as much, much as you can. Like, my, okay. I, you know, the big flashy, cool parts are sweet, but like um, stuff that sticks together and is within your budget is way cooler. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, I would hate to be just driving and see my tire go past me because I broke an axle. Well, and it's and not it's just the tire, it's too. the shaft too. It's everything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yank everything out. Right. Uh, Maybe you've convinced me to just keep digging hard <laughs> and find one. And it'd just be so much easier if it was cheaper, you know? Right, I know. I've also, have you ever looked at any of the Speedway axles? I haven't. No. It's like circle track stuff. Yeah, yeah, so I, I know I, of them, but I haven't. Yeah. They've got some interesting stuff. Like, you can't really buy like a four-inch housing and all that, but you could get like a full float three-inch um, not that much and then just get a brace for it problem is you know i don't i don't have a, a fixture or any of that stuff to you know welt all the ends onto it and everything i would need to go find a shop that has all that to do it which there aren't a whole lot of guys around here that have that that are like specializing in building custom axles so maybe like your buddy what did you say ryan langer langer yeah okay i'll have to check that out um and then I guess everything else is just like Southern California. I'll, right. I'm in like a weird spot because I'm like close to the Mecca of all of it, but not really. I'm just far enough removed that a lot of the parts don't trickle this way. And it's like right. a 12 hour drive down to San Diego. So it's not like it, it's kind of inconvenient to go all the way down there. But I mean, if I could save a couple grams and get really badass axle, that might be worth doing. Right. Yeah, yeah. I've been like throwing around the idea of just flying out to the like off-road swap meet that Kurt Leduc puts on and yep. just like shipping everything back through Fastenal or something like these these 40s like if over out west you can buy a 40 used rates takeoffs for 100 bucks a pop by the time they get to Michigan they're you know $400 a piece <laughs> so it's uh yeah yeah it gets expensive fast out you at those race takeoffs from a trophy truck or something yeah, so yeah. Um, we we got kind of lucky when um, I was working at Griffin Fabworks. This truck uh, was actually, are you familiar with Roy Tompkins? I'm not. Uh, so his Instagram is ODR uh, MSE, Old Dirty Roy oh. Motorsports. Yeah, yeah he's yeah, the yeah, man. OD, ODR, I hear people refer to him all the time. Yeah, so Roy yeah. flew out and uh, did a bunch of shock tuning with us right when the four fives got put on this thing. And we had a few customer builds uh, get tuned and stuff. And so kind of got a little connect between him and then uh, Danny Giannini and Craig Stuvey over there. They uh, they kind of will, if I can find some stuff, they'll come grab it for me and then ship it out. But, um, you know, it takes like six, eight years to make relationships all the way across the country um, to then have them ship some stuff. And it's not any, it, it, it's only for huge deals. Like I, I wouldn't, like try and work that on just like two or three tires or something, you know, I'd be like sure a trailer full of tires or whatever. But, um, yeah, yeah it's, it's so hard to get good used stuff, but out there, I mean, just going to Craig and Danny's place, uh, for a weekend, Craig was just showing me a shipping container full of basically all trophy truck parts for his next build. And I'm like, man, if I could just have a little yard sale of trophy truck parts, uh, every other weekend during the race season, man, we'd be building some cool stuff. Right. 
I know it'd be amazing. They, it blows my mind, like how, how many parts come off of trophy trucks that are just laying around. And I mean, that's how a lot of the guys, you know, a lot of the terror crew guys that you see, it, it's all just like takeoffs from trophy trucks. Which yeah. is great. Or other pre-runners that they're pulling apart or whatever. Like th that stuff is just ubiquitous, but it feels impossible to find when you're not right there with all oh, of them. Oh, for sure. Yeah, there's a couple of guys here that run trophy trucks who they'll have, you know, if a buddy of mine, Donnie Herbert, he, he'll go through there. He's a guy who kind of uh, mentored me through this process. Uh, he'll go over there and like pick out some stuff and he'll come home with like, you know, an 80 gallon fuel cell for $200 and with, <laughs> with a bladder and foam and everything. I'm like, Jesus, like <laughs> hit me up next time you go. I want to go see what's over there, you know, but hopefully I can find some used parts. Race desert seems like the best yeah, option for me. For I mean, sure. Have you found anywhere else that you can find? I mean, I'm on all parts? of, all of the Facebook classifieds for pre-runner and off-road stuff. There's yeah. any of the good stuff seems to get posted on race desert too. Um, and then a lot of like the race guys, um, like, um, SDR racing, they're always posting stuff for sale on their like Instagram stories and okay. stuff, but it's just, yeah, uh, up. A, a matter of timing too. Right. Yeah. You gotta be, you gotta look at it right when they, uh, post it. Otherwise. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. I've seen some like used takeoff trophy truck axles and stuff that are like, four thousand dollars i'm like oh my gosh if i was right. in that area it'd be swooped up you know can you imagine how, how much do you think of full built trophy truck axles 30 grand uh, 40 grand do you know well so yeah we on that trophy f250 we mm -hmm. did uh uh tig welded tube works um with uh, i don't remember what hubs i think it was just straight up tube works hubs uh, 14 inch rotors, six piston wheel woods, and um, a 10 inch gear. And this was seven years ago, was uh, about 30. 30, yeah. Yeah. That's so, like, brakes so and much. hubs, brakes and hubs just go crazy. Like, um, yeah. like, if you go full JMAR TT hubs and brakes, I mean, you're like 20 grand in hubs and brakes. And uh, 36 <laughs> TT axle shafts are like, four thousand dollars a pair are those the big like yeah, gun the jumbo ones? yeah the yeah. jumbo 36 tts yeah yeah those are gnarly they're sweet <laughs> yeah i would love that That'd be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I, although i don't have enough power to to need that i mean I'm, i've still got the stock v6 in mine which i'll get i'll get tuned but even like i want to put 40s on it but it's just not going to have any get up and go with 40s even with with it re-geared right yeah so I'll, I'll probably stick with the 37s for a while see how i, would, I mean get it 37s and v6 is so perfect just yeah. like build your chassis way crazy for a v6 and then you'll never break it which is sweet yeah i know that's i've heard a lot of guys say like you know don't bother building some high horsepower crazy thing as your first deal like you don't know how to drive yet you don't know what you're gonna like you're probably gonna change a bunch of stuff like just you know, easy. If you can drive a slow car fast, you can drive a fast yeah. car fast. So I mean, honestly, my truck terrifies me and it's, it was 405 to the ground on 35s and okay. like through our dunes, which is only 400 acres. Like you can, you can, we've seen like 92 on the GPS on forties. And that is like, that's enough. It's too much. <laughs> and 
Uh, you know, it just breaks so many parts. This is on trans number three of the life of this truck. Uh, it's been through multiple third members, multiple axle shafts. It just, it's so hard on stuff. What trans are you running? Just a turbo 400. Nice. Yeah. Manual valve body one or is it automatic? Oh yeah. Yep. Ma manual valve body. Nice. Nice. I've been playing around like I can sell my engine and trans for like seven, eight grand, something like that. I get so easily just buy an LS or something and throw it in there with the turbo 400. It'd be good. Move the engine back, you know, and then center mount and like make it cool. But <laughs> that's another year, you know, uh, dude, center go. center mount on a midsize is so gnarly. Yeah. Is your so center mounted, right? No, I've, I'm I beams, but my motor's still I four inches yeah, back. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. And does it make a big difference? Can you feel it? Um, not really, but it does make packaging up front so nice. I have so much room up front, um, for like a big radiator and stuff. Cause I, I didn't want to go full, like race trophy truck rear mount radiator. Cause there's no airflow back there. If you got all the glass in it and I still street drive it. So, um, I wanted to keep as much of it up front as I could, but I mean, he, like you said, rear weight bias is the name of the game when it comes to this stuff. So that's why I'm trying to figure out, uh, uh, rear spares and more fuel so that I, I'm kind of running into some, I think some four link geometry stuff and some not enough rear weight bias issues. Cause it just kind of feels a little skatey in the back and I don't get great traction. Um, and so I'm going to be kind of, uh, tuning that in this winter after we're done for the season. Nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah, I'm trying to throw as much weight in the back just because, like, the front, I've got Dirt Kings. It's like a three and a half over long travel kit. Mm -hmm. And I get with four wheel drive, like 13 inches. Like, it's not crazy. I still have coil over, triple bypass, and bumps. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I basically just need the front of the truck to skip over stuff. Yeah. Because it just doesn't have a lot. And I, it's a bummer. Like, I thought when I was building the truck, when I was ordering the shocks, I was gonna have stock frame rails in the in the rear. I wasn't planning on back halfing it, so I ordered a fourteen sixteen uh, coil over bypass. Mm -hmm. And then Donnie uh, was like, "Dude, if you're gonna do it, just cut the back of the truck off and make it what you want." I'm like, "All right, you know, it took a little little convincing for me to do it, but now I'm maxed out with the arms that I've got, like twenty four inches." when I could be way more than that if I just had a 14, 16, or if I ran a longer arm on it. But yeah. I kind of like backed myself into a corner with the parts that I had and I, it'll still be fun. Like, don't get me wrong. It'll probably be more than enough for me to like learn how to drive well, you know, get my confidence up to where I can go haul ass through the desert and like a gnarly truck and build something crazier in the future. What but, size uh, lower links are you running? 48s? They're 48s. Yeah. I yeah. mean, so my my thought with 16 versus 16, 18 is you got to have some big boy stuff up front if you're going to be running 30 inches of travel in the rear. Trucks look so dumb when you have minimal travel in the front and then the back's just like drooping around to touch the front wheels. Um, I, I think you're better off honestly making something proportional because you won't outdrive the front near as much. If you're... I mean, you, you are 100% yeah. right on um, rear weight bias. You want the thing, if you look at any of the TTs, they're almost, they're, they're all the way out at limit strap in the front, just touching the tops of the whoops, like planed out like a boat. And then the rear is going through all the holes. Um, yeah. 
And so if your limiting factor is your front travel, then you're, if you're even skimming the tops, the, the chassis is still going to be settled towards the front because there isn't much droop. So if you have more droop, then you have in, a ton more droop in the rear than the front, you're going to outdrive the front. And that's what's going to unsettle the chassis and make it hard to tune and stuff. So like if you keep it proportional to be the, the about the same, like 30% more rear suspension than the front, like you're going to be able to dial the thing in to drive within the capabilities of the front and the rear. You know what I mean? No, that's very true. I hadn't thought about that. I, I guess you're right. Like if you did have a bunch of droop in the front, you'd be, the, the front would be wanting to, to buck more. It'd be, it'd be, yeah. It'd be more contact with the ground. Yeah. Unsettling things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the trophy trucks when they're hauling ass through, through like big whoops, the front, it really is just like barely moving, just skipping uh -huh. to the top. The front is like crazy, like full 30 plus inches. Probably. Yeah. Than that. Travel in the rear. Oh, all right. You make, making me feel better about it. <laughs> no, I, you'll be happy. So like, uh, at, at Griffin Fabworks, like our, I wish this platform would have taken off because we uh, designed a four-wheel drive kit for the 07 to 13 Chevys. Mm -hmm. And it had a short course style link in the rear with an 18-inch 3.0 coilover. Uh, Jeep speed cell in a cradle under the bed out at the end of the frame rails. And then in the front, it was like 18 inches of travel with uh, RCV um, axle shafts. And it fit a 2535 coil bypass, billet uppers. I mean, it was pretty bitching setup, but um, it's, it was 18 in the rear, like 26 or 18 in the front, 26 in the rear. And it was just incredible how well that truck performed because it was so balanced and the dude drove it in four low in our dunes on the rev limiter all over the place. I mean, he's, he's seven years into this thing and he still beats the crap out of it. And um, it's one of my favorite platforms, especially for our low key dunes. Like that is what everybody needs. Um, gotcha. these, this, this craziness, um, I, I just like it because I love fabrication. I love just pushing everything as far as it can possibly go, but it is so unneeded for like 90% of anything you do off road. It is. And then the shitty part is, oops, sorry. Uh, oh, you can swear. I don't care. Okay. So the shitty part is like you buy all these cool parts and they're still a wearable item. Like my, my $5,000 third member can still break. My $2,000 axle shafts can still break. So it's like, you got to find the happy medium of like where your wallet's happy and where driving it's fun and where it's not breaking all the time. So um, it sounds like you're on a pretty good track with, you're, you're thinking about it a lot more than most people do. And you're like really conscious of making this thing as well-rounded as possible. And so I think it's going to blow you away. Yeah, I'm, I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like I bet. The, uh, so the first time I, First time I ever drove in a pre-runner was like six months into building mine. Like I hadn't even ridden it one before I started building it. Same. And we went out to, yeah, we went out to Barstow to drop off this F100 to the new owners and uh, got to ride. And do you know Aaron Fubazi? You ever heard yeah. of that name? Yeah, yeah so his, on Instagram. Yeah. So Aaron, Aaron was out there. He, he was one of the guys that built that F100 for the Diesel Brothers when he was working yeah. for them. Um, and so Donnie to, Herbert is Uncle Donnie Herbert, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So oh, yeah. yeah, so Donnie, Donnie's the one who who taught me all this stuff. And so I was in his shop for 
almost a year, something like that. And, you know, it's, I, I met him in a parking lot. <laughs> I was like learning how to weld and I just went to the, the metal store and was picking up scraps just to do it. And I walk out and there's this guy walking around my truck and he's like, what are you doing with this thing? It's pretty cool. And we became friends. He's like, yeah, I built, you know, uh, 1450 trucks and he's building that suburban and mm -hmm. ended up going out to his shop and checked it out and he's like yeah i mean if you want you know pay me a monthly fee and you can come hang out and you can build your truck here you can use all my tools and whatever and it's like all right that sounds like a great option because i'm you know right now working in my driveway and i don't know enough to pull off what i'm about to start doing and um it was great he's, he taught me a ton he's he's an amazing designer like he, he, the vision that he has for these cars is amazing. And so there's a lot of time just standing around the truck with Donnie while he's smoking a cigarette, you know, figuring out, you know, where, where do the links go? You know, how should we build the cage? And there's a wealth of knowledge when it comes to all the different like safety rules and everything. Yeah. And so, you know, I cross check what he was saying about the cage design. Of course, he's like totally right about everything. And it was fun. It, it was a, a good time. I took another opportunity and left his shop and um, went and did some stuff with somebody else for a while. But Donnie's a good dude. Yeah. I can't remember where this is a tangent. I can't remember where I was going before this. <laughs> um, but, oh, uh, Aaron through Boston. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I got to ride in his Tundra um, down Barstow, Maine. Like, <laughs> holes the size of like Honda Civics. Yeah. We're doing like 80 miles an hour over them. Absolutely blew my mind what a vehicle is capable of. And he's still using like, you know, it wasn't, his was A-arm in the front using stock mounts on the frame. Uh, it was probably like a plus five-ish over kit. Um, and then it was like 20 something in the back running a 68 or a, no, it was more than that. It was probably like 30-ish in the back. Anyways, it was nuts, like freaking crazy. Not even a trophy truck, not a 1450 truck, just something that's like a mild build. You know, it's still streetable, kind of what I'm doing. And I was like, terrified. <laughs> it was so scary. That's like, gnarly. We're, we're going to die. <laughs> so I'm sick of building and I just want to drive. And yeah. I think like when you, when you build it yourself, you see all of these other things you could be doing. It's like, if I'm going to do that, I may as well do this next thing. And then I may as well do this next thing. And then before you know it, it's been years and yep, you haven't driven it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, to be honest with you, it took me, I I've been building myself a pre-runner since I was 18. I'm 30. Now I have given up on three Ford Rangers and I finally had to buy one because my, my checklist as I learned more about these just grew to this level of trophy truck, like basically you know, a steel cab yeah. trophy truck. And it's not, it's not sustainable, but um, it's something you obsess about for long enough and it happens. Um, but yeah. yeah, I, I had, I'd never even ridden in a truck when I started my first one either. It was just, and I yeah. barely picked up a welder, but I was like, man, these things are so sweet. I need to build one. Right. I know. I love them. I, it all started like it was Terra crew when they first started videos were popping up and I was thinking about getting rid of my big diesel truck and buying a, a Tacoma and 
their stuff. I just started watching it. This is the coolest stuff ever. Yeah. Like, these trucks are so badass. The stance is so cool. Like the style. I just love the whole, like the whole scene is just amazing. And decided, all right, that's what I'm doing. I put fiberglass on mine with a stock axle and spacers in the rear. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Big six inch bulge. And just drove around like that because I just love the style. I mean, the truck was not capable of stock suspension in the rear, but looks cool. Yeah. Eventually I needed to make it actually perform the way it looked. So that's the mission I'm on now. Well, and I just, I can't say enough good stuff about James either. Cause like the amount of effort he puts into Terra crew to like broadcast all the stuff that we're doing is so cool. And he's, he's like, he, he comes out to dirt fest every year and, nice. uh, I'm I'm hoping to put this thing in the the Terra Crew booth for Dirt Fest. We'll see. Um, cool. It sounds like Morgan might be coming out. Morgan Clark. So we might yep. do a, a build to destroy on this thing if he's around. And awesome uh, on the on the rebuild. Um, so I don't know. James just is just so genuine about everything off road, and he is just awesome. Yeah, he's a cool dude. I got to meet him at Off Road Expo this last year. Yeah, uh, I talked to him for like ten minutes or something like that, and like. You're just like a normal, nice guy. There's yeah. not this weird. This, He's just weird, a teacher uh, that likes off-road trucks. <laughs> right? Which is crazy to me. When I learned that he's a school teacher, <laughs> what? Yeah. Okay. It's so cool. Um, yeah, I can't wait to see his truck out. Holy cow. Uh, oh, dude. It looks so cool. I was just watching an update that Morgan put out, uh, doing all the lines, the coolant lines that are running yeah. through the cab. Did you see that? Oh, yeah. It's beautiful. Like, every single detail is just amazing and thought through and i don't know morgan is whole like another level he's a he's a whole nother level. he's a sculptor yeah that happens to be building trophy trucks or for, right. like pre-runners and stuff 1450s yeah. it's it's amazing i got to see one of his trucks it was the what does he call it the exotic pre-runner mm-hmm. um and in person and it is amazing like i could have just spent an entire day looking around it staring at all the little things like I don't, he just, he looks at things differently. Definitely. Like I, th- I would never even think of doing things that he did, you know, yeah. just design wise. And it's all functional too. It's not yeah. like it's just designed for design's sake. Like it all works. Which is yeah. He's, he's bringing a lot of like, uh, a lot more curve into like the design for all this stuff. A lot of off-road stuff is just like nice blocky square tube or like squared off tube structures and stuff with like nice nice fitting paneling and i mean when it's done right it looks really good but yeah it's it's a whole different lens i i've never seen anything built that way no i haven't either that'd be so cool if they did a built to destroy on your truck there's an original one from when austin owned it so it'd be cool to catch back up with how it looks now yeah oh cool i'll have to go dig through and find it and i'll I'll find it and i'll link it in the podcast notes oh sweet yeah watch it yeah. <laughs> yeah. James and Austin going pretty depth about uh, the build process on it. How long ago was that? Um, that would have been uh, like 2020, I think. Okay. When he was here for Dirt Fest. It was like COVID year Dirt Fest. Gotcha. When is Dirt Fest? Uh, it is the third week in July every year here in Stanford, Michigan. Mm-hmm. Cool. Dude. It looks like a blast. <laughs> it is by far the best weekend of the summer. Um, especially like Wilkie comes out. He he is always out promoting and he's got to deal with XCOMP. So they sponsor the event. And uh, yeah, it just grows every year. The They ended up having to cap side-by-sides because they had so many entries with side-by-sides. And now they like, it's like invite only for them. 
and trucks just come out of the weeds for there. I mean, it, the first year we were there, it was probably like 15, 20 trucks. Last year was like 40 something. And there were like a hundred vehicles total. It, it's going to have to be a two day event now because yeah, there's, it's just getting so big. Is it like a motocross track that you run? It is a motocross from? track. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so cool. It sounds like fun. So what is it a race or is it like, is it judged? I don't really know. So uh, they do like a time trial. So there's a, they do like the starting line from the dirt bikes where the, where the first turn like funnels into the track. That's like our starting line. And then everybody stages into the dirt bike starting area. And then um, the finish line funnels back out down the start straight as well. So they just have a timer at the start and a timer at the finish. And you get a lap to set down a time trial. They do a long jump. They do side-by-side -side, like door-to-door -door racing. Um, they do like heats and elimination down to like an eight-car final um, where they okay. stagger start them or they do a, a front row and a back row into a first corner. So that gets pretty rowdy. Um, and then we do a pit bike race on their small mini track, which is fun. That sounds like a lot of fun. So it's not, it's not door to door with the big trucks. No, not it's at all. It's just like one, one truck at a time. It's just, like you said, it's a narrow track and yeah, people will be crashing into, into each other the whole time. Is that video that I posted on my story of your truck, like landing flat off that jump? Was that dirt fest? No, that was at, uh, our other, we have two events for our year in Michigan and we do, uh, what's called pre-runner invasion at Silver Lake Sand Dunes. And then we do our dirt fest and that was pre-runner invasion from last year. That was like two weeks after I got the truck and, um, we, there's a, like a dirt drag strip in the town of Silver Lake and the owner there, he, he's got all the fun toys. He's got a Brenthal trophy truck and a Funko buggy and all sorts of side by sides. So he was going to build us a track there. And that was one of the jumps and it was just, you come from the parking lot. So I'm like, Oh, might as well see how far we can go. And I mean, with the, the big shocks this thing has, you don't really feel it anyway. So that was, a. Uh... <laughs> you didn't feel that. <laughs> I like, mean, you definitely felt so it, flat. but, uh, yeah, it, it handles it incredibly well. I mean, once yeah. you get into having like anything more than five tubes for your bypass, you get into some smaller upper bump ranges where you can just max those things out and it's acting like another bump stop. And then obviously we got the two, five bump stops as well. So, um, yeah, it, uh, tuning helps. Tuning definitely helps. Yeah. It's so cool. I, I upgraded my shocks from like the factory off the shelf Kings. So it's a, a three Oh quad bypass. And then all the tubes are, uh, inch. So it, nice. it's running like, a lot more fluid. It's almost yeah. like 50% more fluid than right. off-the-shelf shocks. So I'm excited yeah. about that. Should be able to tune a lot into it. For but sure. I mean, I'm jealous because you got four fives on yours. <laughs> and it's <laughs> those a were Those were a, a random deal, though. That's a... I have to know someone at King. They were used takeoffs from a trophy truck, and they were just kind of right time, right deal. And the truck originally had three fives on it when Austin first built it and he loved cool parts. So I am so thankful that, uh, he let me help him build it this way. Nice. Oh, so you didn't buy the four fives. They were no. when you bought it. Yeah, dude, <laughs> that's the way to do it. That's so cool. I, 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 uh, had a question about spindles for you Yeah. because mine I'm using most of the guys are either gusseting their stock spindles or, 
they're buying a Camberg spindle. Yeah. And there's been, I've known people that have just thrown away the Camberg spindle, spindle because it didn't work the way they wanted to. Yep. Um, there's issues with the wheel speed sen sensors and stuff. You know, I'm not knocking them. They make a lot of nice stuff, but that just wasn't a good fit for them. Um, and so I'm working with a company called Send Cut Send. Have you ever heard of them? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Have you, you said you, you've used them? Yeah. Sweet. So uh, this guy named Jake Holland. Um, Jake is, he's building like a Hyatt powered, like not quite a trophy truck, but like a like off-road buggy thing, which is crazy. He's a super talented engineer. Um, has this, I mean, he's got, you know, seat mills and lathes and all this shit in his garage at his house, which is amazing. Um, but he also, he worked for Send Cut Send. And so I became friends with him. He was on the podcast. And so I pitched them the idea of, you know, I've got a part that I need to, I want to make. I don't know how to do it. You guys have the laser cutting service and the design expertise. We should do this project where we design a custom spindle and walk people through the whole process. So you could like sh show how one, how to design things, but two, how best to use your service. Cause it's amazing. And for people that don't know what send cut send is, it's a laser cutting service, but it's not like a laser cutting surface service where you have to go and you know, it's, it's an industrial laser cutting company where they don't really want to give you a bid because their job is so small. It's a one-off thing. Um, it's just kind of a pain in the ass to do that. Send, cut, send. You can send them your 3D designs, CAD designs, and they'll print out or cut out one-off parts for you. And I fucked, I had made some shock overlays and I fucked up the scale and told them, I was like, hey, I need to reorder these. I messed up. And they're like, no worries. We'll just send you a new one for free. It's the right scale. Like, Holy shit, that's amazing. This is a killer company. So we're going to be designing a spindle, but I wanted to pick your brain before we do this because um, I'm running a Ford 9-inch in the rear. It's got Chevy hubs. Mm -hmm. um, it's the same bolt pattern as the Toyota, so it's six on five and a half. Yep. Um, and what I'm thinking is rather than using a Toyota hub in the front, use a Chevy hub from like a Silverado or something like that, a 15 Yeah, they're bigger unit bearing. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, build something that's fully boxed way gnarlier. I can, you know, do you see any downside to using, well, and the other reason I want to do that is because I don't want to have two sets of wheels because right. the, the rear has a smaller, uh, the lug nuts are a smaller diameter, mm. like the studs. And so that's kind of a pain in the ass. So if I could just run Chevy front and rear, that would be great. Yeah. Do you see any downsides to doing something like that? Building Not a custom spindle? No, so I I like Chevy unit bearings, especially on small stuff like smaller stuff like uh, you know Tacomas yeah. and like um, that's a that's a really good way to upgrade into something that's significantly beefier than what would be coming factory on that stuff, um, and they're they're plentiful. You can get them at an auto parts store. Um, the three bolt flange is pretty common, so like yeah, I I would a hundred percent go for that. Right? Are they so? I saw a three bolt and a four bolt flange. Is, is there a difference between the two or is it just what vehicle it was mounted on? Um, one's prior to the other. I think the three bolt is the older style and the four bolt's a newer style. Like there's gotcha. a okay. generation of it. Yeah. Okay. Um, the one thing that I'm worried about is wheel speed sensor mm -hmm. because I mean, it's the same like two wire thing, but I don't, have you ever messed with wheel speed sensors and like messing up ABS systems and all that? So, I wish I had an answer for you, but I'm I'm way more just get rid of all that factory stuff and use gauges. So 
Um, I just have like a Lawrence with a GPS puck and I, I kind of get rid of all that, the factory stuff and I don't have ABS you know, mechanical, I'm full mechanical brake on my truck. So, um, oh, really? yeah, so it's, cool. I, I kinda, I admire learning that kind of stuff because actually right now I'm building like a pro touring Camaro, like a first gen Camaro and I'm putting all like 2013 stuff on it. So I'm learning at the moment, how to work, make some of that stuff work correctly. But, um, I haven't messed with any of the Chevy truck stuff with the difference in what the, the sensor is picking up on the, the tone ring, um, on the yeah. inside of the hub there's, and I think the only way that you could probably mask it is to find out what the Toyota one's looking for. And you could make an accessory tone ring that would go onto your Chevy unit bearing. And then you just have to offset your sensor to pick up wherever that tone rings at. You know what I mean? Oh, that's an interesting idea. And then I could just do the same thing in the rear. So it's, yeah. it's reading all the same from all four corners. Right. Hmm. I like that idea because that was freaking me out. Because, I mean, it's snowy here in Utah, too. And I drive it in the winter. And <laughs> you start sliding and the tires are just like walking up at different times because it doesn't yeah. know how fast the wheels are spinning. I didn't want to like get myself in a situation where it just all of a sudden walks up for no reason. Right. And you know, like go and crash into something. Um, all right. I'll have to look into that, but that's a, that's an interesting idea. I hadn't thought of that making a tone ring. That's, you know, yeah. sensors are kind of dumb. You just gotta, you gotta fool it into thinking it's seeing the right thing, you know? <laughs> right. Exactly. The other thing that I'm trying to figure out is like how, you know, what's the interval that it's reading yeah. as the wheel spins, you know, how many times is it picking that up and, I'll figure it out as I dive into it, but right. Um, what what uh, have you ever built like in a custom upright for any of yeah. the trucks that you've worked on? Um, I mean, I've been a large part of the design process for like the Chevy one that we did. Um, and yeah. So yeah, it's um, you kind of you you start with so your arms are already set in a, a specific location, so your your arms yeah. kind of dictate. Some of the the most important features when it comes to a spindle, because um, you're gonna have you're gonna have kingpin inclination, you're gonna have um, your caster and your camber, uh, you're gonna have once you get into uh, your steering how much scrub you have, um, and you'll have to on your steering you'll have to figure out a way to make it have proper Ackerman. So, but like with the arm location being set already, I mean you obviously will have. E I'm sure your, your lowers are basically in a fixed position that can move in and out. And then the uppers have a heim that can set caster back and forth. Unfortunately, they're both pushing. So okay. I don't have So you're 100% yeah. set where you're at. I'm fixed, yeah. I was thinking, like, do I just buy a stock? My, my spindles are bent, um, the factory ones, but buy a new set and just pull the measurements off of that. And just because the Dirt King kit is made to to work with the, the stock Toyota spindle yeah. or are there benefits to like tweaking some of those, you know, the camber caster adjustments or the King's so, inclination or any of that for off-road. I can't stress enough getting more the the most caster you could possibly get out of the thing. Uh, factory okay. factory casters, like, you know, probably four and a half degrees. Mm -hmm. Um, and what you run into running minimal caster in off-road specifically is you're, you start to feel darty because 
um, well, especially in a beam situation, you know, there's there the suspension's pivoting on an axis too. Um, luckily, with A arms, that kind of follows with its own axis. But um, you never ever want the truck to try to steer itself when you're at speed. Um, and the, the further back your spindle is, the the more your speed forces your wheels to stay straight because it's it's harder for them to plow out of going in a straight line. Um, gotcha. So like a lot of if you look at like center mount trucks, a lot of guys will have, it looks like maybe six, seven degrees of caster. But if you look at the bulkhead, the bulkhead also gets like four degrees of rake. So those guys are running like 12 degrees of caster. Um, so I would try if you can to figure out a design. Well, obviously first figure out the caster that you're locked into mm -hmm. and then I would, if it's like four degrees, I would try and double it. And then the other okay. thing that you really want to keep in mind is those Dirt King's arms are not going to be set up probably for 37s. No, they're so, probably like 35s. So your king, yeah, your kingpin inclination, which is the imaginary line through both pivots to the center of your tire is going to be off. And so if you can move that hub in and out, on where it's mounted to your spindle to make that imaginary line hit the center of your tire, then your kingpin inclination where it turns is going to be in the correct spot. Which so explain explain that to me. The imaginary line from the top. If, so your the... upper ball joint and your lower ball joint. Okay. Sorry. So upper ball joint, lower ball joint, and then the contact area with the tire on the ground. Yep. You want that to fall into the center line of your tire. Oh, not the hub, but the center. I get what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Center one of the tire. Okay. Yep. And so what, what that does is that creates a spot for your tire to pivot for turning. Yep. And so if you're on the inside or the outside of that, you get a bunch of scrub, which is when like you're turning, you see the tire trying to like roll over itself. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, so that's, I would try and make that perfect with your 37 like the way that we did it when we mocked up like building our own a-arm setup and our own spindle setup is we had the thing at what ride height we wanted you know the arm mm -hmm. we had arms at ride height what we wanted and then we found uh the width of our tire which was a 12.5 found the center of that put a line of tape on the ground and then found the height of the center of the hub you know and then we just moved like a straight edge along the ground up and down to find where the bottom of the straight edge was running through this line between the two. And then that's where the face of your hub needs to be. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. That's kind of a cool way of doing that. Right. I mean, you can obviously do it easily on SolidWorks, but like if you want a visual representation of what this thing's actually going to look like, um, then you can. Gotcha. Because so yeah, I you can you can map it. the points right on SolidWorks, and it'll you'll be able to draw around whatever you need. But so I might be you... adjusting. Go ahead. Yeah. So my track width, my track width on the front, is going to change. It could. Could. Yeah. Yeah. Probably not by a whole lot, but. No, no, it'd be minimal, but um, yeah. it would make a difference in how the thing performs too. So, um, just making it so it steers correct and has caster and has correct KPI. Gotcha. And so like eight-ish degrees of, of uh, caster, you think is kind of like the sweet spot? 
I would, I would say more is better. So I don't think you're going to okay. fit like 10 because you'll have to get the, the front, the lower arm further forward to let the wheel sweep back that far. You know what I mean? So it'll be, so in bump, you're saying I'm, the tires will be going up into the cab because they're going to, yeah, be, yeah. It'll be going be up, on up like that. Right. Exactly. So, so it's essentially like the motorcycles with the tires way far out, like yeah. big cruisers. Right. Yeah. And so it's not, so like a sport bike, you can see up, that's a perfect way of thinking about it. It's like bullet bike racing. You see those guys, they get squirrely through a corner and it's, it's doing that. That's yeah. because it doesn't, there's not like the centrifugal, centrifugal force is like, I don't know how to describe that. But it's more like, it's more just like twitchy. once, yeah, once the plane's been broken, once, once it's not going in that line anymore, it has like an equal and opposite reaction. You know what I mean? Like if you, if you, gotcha. well, have you ever driven a Jeep with death wobbles? I haven't, but I know of it. Well, they don't have enough caster. That's the only, that's the reason. That's like if, the you throw, if you throw a ton of caster at a Jeep, it won't have death levels. Gotcha. But you have to roll the whole axle backwards to make that happen. You know what I mean? Right. How, how does that work with beams? How do you set the caster and what? Tons of caster. My Tons truck of caster. has, yeah, my truck has like 12 degrees of caster. Damn. Okay. Yeah. Um, Interesting. But I also have, like I have extremely long beams. My beams sit, so I'm 88 inches wide in the front anyways, but my, my beam pivot is like five inches lower and like six inches outside of my frame. So I have a crazy long uh, pivot and I have a crazy long beam. So I don't get a like I don't get the crazy camber change that you see, but then I also have like a 50 inch radius arm. So the the um, sweep in caster isn't nearly as effective either. The bigger all that stuff can be and longer, the less angle change there is. Gotcha. So yeah. do you have it dropped so that you get more up travel? Like you said, you're six inches below the frame rail. Is that just so that your tires can go up more? No, not really. It's, so. it's just kind of where everything fit. My beams are just okay. massive. And so to get it to be at bump height where I wanted it to be and not have to notch half the frame out of the thing, I just lowered everything down. Gotcha. Okay. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. All right. Maybe, yeah, when Jake and I start designing these things, it's probably sometime in, in July, like mid July. Um, maybe I'll shoot for like 10, see what, what I can do with 10. And yeah. I can always cut it out of like shitty material and tack it together and just put it on the truck and move it around and see what works. And that's just like that's build a exactly up. what we would do too. Yeah. yeah. You, like just as long as the pivots are in the right spot, it can be out of t pieces of tube and some plate for your wheel to attach to just to get a proof of concept, right. you know? Yeah, exactly. Okay. All right. More caster. <laughs> More caster what are you doing for that. steering? You're just running your rack, I assume, right? Right now it's just a stock Toyota rack, which is going to explode in like three seconds. Yep. Um, Solo Motorsports makes a, a Tundra rack conversion, ah. which is supposed to be pretty good. But again, that's another couple grand for yeah. the conversion kit. Um, but I need something. I don't know that I want to go spend, you know, a couple thousand bucks to buy their kit. Do you have any recommendations? Well, uh, cheap recommendations. I don't have any great options. The, like what, the, the move is really swing steering. Is box. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's going with a, a box and making swing steering, but, um, yeah, it's, 
there's not great options for just normal like A-arm style trucks. Even like the Chevys, everything's packaged so tight when you try to do a, a steering box with swingers. It's just, it's a nightmare, honestly. Right. But it's uh, the way to go. I don't, yeah, it is the way to go. I, and I don't think that there is a whole lot of room for me to do that. No. Sucks. And even the guys that are running the, the Tundra rack say it lasts for a while, but you know, most of them aren't building trucks like I have. They're, you know, they're, they're hardcore overlanders and they're like doing some crawling and stuff like that, yeah. which I don't know if there's more stress. There might be more stress on him with rock crawling. Cause you're like forcing it in to these like weird positions and mashing on the gas to get over rocks and whatever. Yeah. I honestly don't know. They're but, probably both just equally shitty on it. I mean, um, yeah. there's a, there's a guy that I'll send you after this that makes, uh, they call it a rack saver for the Rangers. Okay. And basically it adds a bar on a movable slide outside of the rack because what, where they fail is if they can flex at all, then they snap. And yeah. so this adds a leverage point to it. Um, so maybe I'll just send you his page and his rack saver to see if that's something that you might be able to like take the idea and put into a Tacoma because there aren't great options other than, you know, cutting the whole front of the thing off. Yeah, exactly. Which is the best option if you want to do all that cool stuff. Yeah. Uh, it was fun. I, Donnie is building a 1450 truck and I got to help him like with the, the swing set steering and understand how all that stuff works and it's super cool it's it's definitely the way to go i can see why it's so much stronger than using oh yeah 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 but yeah like i said just packaging that is probably impossible in my scenario at least yeah it's uh it's someone it's for someone who's a lot better at solidworks than i am i'll tell you that yeah yeah donnie wasn't doing it with solidworks it was just like cardboard tape measures yeah that's how i build everything figuring it out and yeah, I'm, I'm like, I I wish I would have, I think it would have been a lot easier just to like build a tube chassis truck, put a, a cab over it in the beginning. But then again, I wouldn't have learned how to do everything manually and understand how it all fits together. And like, it's one thing to do it on SolidWorks and, you know, make the design, but it's another thing to actually like physically be bending the tube yourself and notching it all by hand. And you really get a good understanding of how all of it works. And I'm glad I did it that way. Yeah. But the next truck I build, I'm not going to do it the same way. Oh yeah, I mean it's it's. I think it's just the natural progression of everything now. Because like I've I've done so many roll cages in trucks, jeeps, what you name it, and now I there's places local here that can bend and laser cut tube for me. And like now it's to the point where I'd rather pay someone to 3D scan the thing. We build a cage inside of it and just have it sent out and come build it on a chassis table and know that it's perfect. I can reference pivots off of all of it. I can make a chassis super nice, but it's finding someone that wants to pay that much. And there is, there is a difference in making a $10,000 cage that is like going to be a certified cage that is really nice with uh, tons of creature comforts inside or just spending $10,000 on getting a cage laser cut. So you know, there's, there's give and take to that magnitude of a project. Like the, our poverty runner that we did, um, the red Chevy that had, that was a cab that was, uh, yeah, that was laser cut CNC bent full entire cab chassis. Um, we did like a box frame cause it's beamed. Um, mm -hmm. 
and then yeah we did all the link stuff by hand and then all the back half we did by hand and all the tube work for the front of the thing we did by hand but the whole center structure of it was like built in the computer nice mm -hmm. it's definitely definitely helpful i'm gonna do it on my back half yeah so like everything everything inside of the cab i've done by hand and i'm Everything outside I've designed in Bentech. Yep. And I, it was a little weird. Like the frame on mine is offset. So when it got, got in the crash, it went off the freeway at like 80 miles an hour and went through a bunch of bumps and stuff. I actually found the lady who crashed the truck, which is crazy. Someone off of Instagram was like, Hey, that's my friend's car. And so I got the whole story. She fell asleep while she was driving um, and was fine. Just like went through, it was in, in like Reno. And so, out in the middle of the desert, there was no one out there. And but she hit a bunch of bumps, which is why the axle was bent, and then the frame was kicked up like an inch on one side. And so trying to design all that in Bentech and make it right, it just didn't work out. And rather than like offsetting the top side, the everything on the top for that that uh difference in height, it's like I'll just manually do it, get a flat plane where um my fuel cell is gonna go. And then everything around that, I've got four points that I can design everything off of, which will be, mm -hmm. you know, that way the cab won't look like, or the, the body won't look like it's sitting like sideways at right height. Yeah. That was a big problem that Donnie and I were working through. Like the best way to do that so that it, it looks right and works right and that the bumps, it bumps at the same height on both sides. Yeah. Um, but eventually I got to the point where I was like, I've got four reference points that I know are going to be leveled with the cab. And I'm going to build everything else after that. And then a uh, local company here called Midnight 4x4, they're going to go. I'll send my, my designs to them. And they've got a, a dragon. And they'll just go plasma cut it out for me and snap it together. I think that's the way to go. Yeah. I don't have ac like I don't have access to all the cool tools now that I'm going to be bringing it back to my house. So right. I'm going to, I'll just, you know, they, they charge like three or four bucks a, per cut, which is not bad considering the amount of time it would take to hand notch all that stuff and Right. Like I'll just I'll just pay for them to do it, and then I can snap it together, and it's nice. I got used to doing that because this other project that I was working on, we were building class one buggies. Yep. And the shop had a dragon in it, and it was so nice. Any part that I wanted, I could just quickly design it in Bentech, cut it out, snap it together, and you're done. Yeah. And <laughs> it's amazing, but don't have access to that anymore, which is a bummer. It sucks yeah. when you get spoiled. <laughs> I know. I like I had everything, all the nice TIG welders, you know frame table, all the stuff. And now I'm coming home to a garage with a wooden floor. So I can't weld in there. The, <laughs> the garage or the, the driveway is sloped. So it's like, I have to do all my designing in the garage where it's flat, pull the measurements, roll it out onto the uneven driveway and weld it all up. And it's not ideal by any means, but I'll make it happen. Oh yeah. I'll get it done. Yeah. I'm, I'm pumped. Um, there's one more question that I was going to ask you. I don't know what it was. I'll, I'm sure I'll think of it, but <laughs> this has been super helpful because you know, the, the, I think the spindles are probably the next big thing, yeah. which will be fun to, to do because like I'm okay at CAD design stuff, but this guy, Jake from send cut send is like a wizard. So I'm excited to, you know, kind of blend the two things together and right. uh, go through the whole design process and, is there anything else you would, you would recommend thinking about on the um, spindle? Yes, your steering. So okay. the steering, are you familiar with setting up A-arm steering? 
no. like the, the points that you need to find. This is going to make yeah. zero sense with me just explaining it, but I'll probably send you a drawing as just like a, hey, keep these points in mind because there's your two pivots on your frame for your mm -hmm. upper and your lower. And then there's a, your rack is probably going to have like a clevis adapter to a heim, right? Yep. So that point dictates where your steering starts. And you need to have the exact same ratio on the spindle. So it needs to pass through the points at the same percentage of height at your spindle that it does at your frame. And then it needs to have the same offset so that you don't get bump steering. Okay. Yeah, that didn't make a whole lot of sense, but right. So yeah, <laughs> good I, mean, to know that I will definitely draw you a picture yeah. of this because it's the it's like it's gonna save you so much headache if we if I can show you how to figure this out before you just try tack welding plates onto your nice spindle to get the height so you don't have bumps here through your travel. So you're saying the actual, the point on the spindle, like the height of the yeah. attachment point for the rack. Yep. It's that point that you're talking about. Yeah. So it's, it's gotta be, there's say you're like, um, just for easy numbers, say your, your separation is 10 inches at your frame. Mm-hmm. And at the spindle, actually just for super easy numbers, we're going to do 10 inches on both sides. Okay. And say the pivot that you're steering passes through those two points is four inches high. Okay. You want your steering to be mounted four inches high in between the two pivots on your spindle. But then, uh, okay. But then look at your, at your frame, you know, you're probably on an angle about like this for your inner, your upper and your lower pivot. Yep. So there's the line that that is going through wherever off of that line outside of your frame, the steering pivots at it say it's for easy numbers, okay. one inch outside of that line. Okay. The line that is going through your upper and your lower on your spindle, it needs to be outside by one inch. Gotcha. So it needs, it, it all needs to be equal so that, you don't have any, so that as they're creating their arcs, that nothing's growing or um, losing length. You know what I mean? Gotcha. Yeah, because if you were if you were short and you're cycling through the suspension travel, it's, it's going to be push. pulling that tire. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, pulling or pushing. So that. Gotcha. Yep. There okay. was a that's, lot of trial and error that made that aha moment happen. Um, and then talking to Roy, he's like, "Oh yeah, that's okay. exactly how you do it." <laughs> nice. Okay. I will. Uh, yeah. I, there's so much to know about all that stuff, which is exactly why I yeah. wanted to talk to you because I could go dig through forums of people going back and forth, their opinions. And I'm like, I just got to talk to someone who's probably already done this before and has a good well, idea. Of how obviously, like, you have my number too. So if you ever get into a point where you're like, hey, I just got to bounce something off you. Please reach out because, yeah, I, I uh, know what it can be like when you're in your garage by yourself trying to design this stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can get a little, you can get into the struggle zone pretty easy. Even if, even if once you start trying to explain it to someone, sometimes you like talk yourself out of the hole, you know? Yeah. Because you're saying it out loud. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, that's, that's the best way to learn something. Like, if you, if you actually know, you can teach someone else. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, cool, man. Um, I 
I've made a bunch of stickers, like sticker packs that I've been sending to people. Yeah. Just say, fuck boring cars. I want to agree more. Would you be down to, <laughs> I'll send you a pack. I've been sending them to a bunch of free owner people so they can put them on their cars or their toolboxes or whatever. So I'll, uh, I'll get some in the mail for you soon. Rad, dude. Rock them. Um, yeah, man. Well, thanks so much for chatting with me. This has been a lot of fun. Likewise. I, uh, I was really looking forward to this. Yeah. Totally. And uh, where can people find your stuff? Get um, in touch with you. I am just Alex Elko on Instagram. Um, you won't, most of your followers won't like my website here coming up. Uh, it is Elko Metalworks, but it's going to be only railings. Um, and yeah, pretty much that's about it. Cool. Thanks, man. This has been a lot of fun. And for everyone listening, we'll catch you in the next one.